Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. You remember, some of you know, the first five books of the Bible are written by Moses, and, uh, and the last four of those five are pretty much about Moses, because Moses is the key player in how God's going to work. I mean, he is... He is the epic leader. He is iconic um, in that he's the hero of Israel. It would be Moses that goes, (coughs) pardon me, goes before the Pharaoh of Egypt, right, and stares him down. It is Moses that will be used by God to bring Israel out of the slavery of Egypt. And it will be Moses that for 40 years pretty much plays all the offices that you can imagine in, in leadership, right? He, he's the ultimate judge for these millions of people, right? I mean, he's the religious leader. He's the military leader. He is everything. Right? For 40 years, they know nothing else, this brand new country, this new child of God they call Israel. And then he dies, right? And that's how, they, that's how the first five books of the Bible end. Moses dies in Deuteronomy. And so the sixth book of the Bible is the book Joshua. It's named after the person that will be taking over. And Joshua's job description, get this, is to lead these people across the Jordan River into the promised land. And the last time we heard much about the promised land, uh, this is a group of people, the people that inhabit this land are gargantuan warriors, you know, in fortified cities that literally scared an entire generation to death. Okay? And, and, I mean, the first time they sent 12 spies out, this is in Numbers, under Moses, and the, and the spies come back and they say, the place is filled with orcs and, and Spartans and Klingons. We would rather, like, roam the desert out here and die than go and face that. And so they voted and they chose that. And so they all died. And so now Joshua has a new generation. We have kind of a new generation of people. We have a new leader, and they're crossing in. And for 40 years, the people that inhabit this land have been waiting and preparing and sharpening their swords, these orcs and Spartans and Klingons. So, so you can imagine, okay? I mean, we can try. We can try to imagine uh, what Joshua would need and what this new group of people, this new group, generation would they, they'd want to know hey is God with us you know is God near and uh, can he hear us and would he speak to us would you help us <laughs> know that God and that's why in the first few paragraphs of the book of Joshua when you open it up God is soothing those anxieties by saying listen okay listen uh, Moses, your servant is dead. Now then, he's saying this to Joshua, the son of Nun. That's verse 1-1, one, one, right? Now then, you and all the people get ready to cross over the Jordan River to the land which I'm about to give to you, the Israelites. I, I uh, give you every place that you will set your feet, just as I had promised Moses. And then watch this, verse 5. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, God with us, right? As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Right? You know, uh, you can't do this, but we can do this, God is saying. God is saying, listen, I'm, I'm listening to you, okay? 
I'm listening to you, and you can speak to me. I can hear you in your prayers, right? The presence of God is with you. Just like it was with Moses, you like that, I'll be with you as well. But he says, listen, if you want to be successful, okay, if you want to make sure you do this right, then you, you need to listen to me. And when, when, when God says to Joshua, here's what I mean by listen to me, I want you to look at verse 7 and 8. Just to be strong and courageous, listen to me. Be strong and very courageous so you'll be successful. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it from the right or the left that you may be successful in wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth ever. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do, it's all about doing it, everything that's written. Then you will be prosperous. Then you will be successful. Did you hear it? He said, listen to me. God's saying, listen to me. All you need to hear, I've already told Moses. You just do those things I told Moses. He wrote them down. Just do. You can hear me. You can hear me when you do, when you meditate on what has already been recorded day and night so that you do those things. I'll listen to you in your prayer life. You listen to me from hearing the Bible. Bible, here, here's what my, my point is. All you need, all you have, basically, you have all you need to succeed, Joshua. I've already told you what you need. Let's start right there. If you want to hear my voice, it's going to sound a lot like the Bible because that's what I speak, okay? The Bible is God speaking to us. And that's why Jesus says, heaven and earth could pass away, but my word, the Bible, will never pass away. Isaiah says... Um, like the, earth, the flowers, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. You want to feel near to God? You pray, right? And then you listen. And when you listen, you're probably going to hear the word of God because that's how he speaks to us. Right? That's the primary way that God speaks to us. He, pre he speaks primarily and first and foremost through that word. Now, look, we're in a five-week series. We're at week three. This is our third week together. In a five-week series, God is near. We spent the first two weeks talking about, you know, God, uh, praying to God. God's saying, speak to me. And we're saying, okay, this is what prayer looks like. It's honest, right? It's, it's, it may be even structured. Remember the structure we looked at last week? The first week we looked at the importance of prayer. Second week we looked at the structure of prayer. You remember this outline? A C T S with an L, <laughs> okay, you remember, what does the A stand for? Adoration, right, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, listening, right. We had a big um, all-staff get-together this week, and, and one of the guys said, man, I love that outline, I've never heard that outline. You know, I think I was on day two, but I could not remember what the C stood for, and I was, what does that C stand for? I said, well, it's interesting that you would forget that one. He said, yeah. When I looked it up, I remembered why I forgot it, so it kind of made sense. So the first two weeks, we talked about praying, and we're trying to spend 15 minutes uh, a day in our developing our relationship with God. That's entry level. You don't have to end there, you can start, but you need to start there. And then this week and next week, we're going to talk about you know, the power of the Word of God and how to study or meditate on the Word of God. God is going to talk to us, and it's going to be through the Word of God. You want to know him? You want to know his, the way he thinks and the way he feels and what he wants us to do? It's, it's going to be in this book. It's going to be in the, in the Bible. 
God speak to us first and most through the Bible. Do you want to hear his voice? <laughs> he speaks a language, and the language is the Bible. And the more that language you know, the more you're going to be able to understand. Just like any other foreign language, you have to learn it. You have to meditate on it day and night so that you'll be able to obey it. So it's for the purpose of obeying it so that you'll hear God's voice. We're going to look at a passage today that's somewhat similar to the one we just looked at in Joshua, uh, where it's uh, in the New Testament, it's called 2 Timothy. And it's, it's similar because where Joshua's taking over this iconic leader from Moses, um, Timothy's taking over a church from Paul. Paul is this uh, just leader amongst leaders where he wrote uh, most of the New Testament doctrine that we uh, believe today. And he is a church planter and a persecuted missionary. He's the whole thing. And, and little Timothy, he's leaving a younger pastor behind in this one town. And Timothy's saying, uh, how will I know if I'll be successful? How will I, I want to hear God. I, I want to know what to be able to do. How, how can I ensure my prosperity in this church? And Paul says what God said to Joshua you already have it. I, you've been given everything that you need. If you just meditate on his word day and night, he's just saying, stick, what do I preach? Stick with the word of God. Look what it says in uh, 2 Timothy uh, 3, 16 and 17. He's talking about the scriptures now. All scripture is inspired or God breathed. And it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that a man of God may be thoroughly equipped to do every good work. Let's look at that. Let's look how Paul's telling Timothy, look, you are adequate to hear from God when you look at the, uh, the Bible because he says all Scripture is inspired. Some of your book translations will say inspired. The New International Version, <clears throat> uh, forgive me, uh, says uh, God breathed. And the reason, I know that's an awkward phrase, but they wanted to put that in there because it is literally what the passage says. And, and he wants, this translators, they want us to understand um, the picture that's being painted here. Because this is a very unusual uh, way of saying it's from God. God breathe. Uh, you won't see this talked about when, it talk, when we're talking about any other books. You won't see it about pieces of art, you know, whether it's a painting or a sculpture. You won't even see this talked about God breathed, right, uh, in reference to even uh, something beautiful in nature. God breathed. His audience was probably thinking, oh, right, you know, when God speaks, things come to life, right, in the creation story. You know, God says, let, he says, let there be, and there was. Let there be light, and there was. He breathes, and it happens. And most majestically in our case, right, in our story, uh, we have a, a mound of dust, right? And it's, and it's formed. It's Adam laying there lifeless, and God breathed into his nostrils, and he is granted because of the power of God breathing into him life, right? Soul, spirit, and now he's in the image of God. And with all of that, the point is, with all of that, right, he goes from being a carcass, a dead carcass of dust, to this fullness of an image bearer of God. And that happens when God breathes. And so he's saying, look, this book that we carry around, we call it a, the Bible, right? God's Word. That's a good nickname. God's Word. He spoke these things. He's saying this is good for four things, right? We're going to look at four ways 
that God speaks to us. Four topics, there's at least four, but he talks about four in this passage. And the first one is teaching. And when we talk about teaching, when we, when we see that the, the Word of God has this power over us, when we talk about teaching, it's not the act of teaching, it's more of the consequence of teaching. So in other words, think of it this way. Uh, the Bible, if you could imagine the Bible being more like a dictionary, because it defines things, right? It defines what is right and, and what, what is real and what's true. It, it defines uh, what things are. And um, maybe when you were a kid, you remember asking your mom or your dad, you know, what, what does something mean? And they say, look it up. Because the dictionary does that. It helps you look it up. It's easier to look in the dictionary than to try to find it out yourself, right, by bouncing around everywhere, uh, maybe getting lucky, but mostly probably not. So, like the definition of uh, mankind, a human, you know, anthropology, what's the, what is a human? You can study philosophy for years and wonder if it's just a, a mammal, a, a, a featherless biped, if you know where that's from, Aristotle, right? Or, or right, you can open your Bible and, and see what the definition is. It's a, we are not like a mammal with a soul. We are a soul that's in, encased in a mammal. And the difference, uh, the difference in man and the difference it makes is tremendous. We are first a soul. We are first eternal. And then we have this temporal tent that we hang out in, right? That's the definition, crudely. That's the definition because that's what the Bible says. That's how it defines it. Uh, we, we can... Um, Look at salvation. How would you know how you could have a relationship with God? Do you want to f- try to figure that out? you want to spend a life or a series, you know, a, a generations of lives trying to figure out what salvation is? When you look at real saintly people and, they per- and they're perplexed at the awesome, uh, transcendent nature of God, and they wonder how could he possibly uh, humble himself to have a relationship with mankind, they come up short. Or some people that are more in tune to their own um, sinfulness, they'll say, how could a holy God, how could we humans even tolerate a relationship with the holiness of God? So it's like G.K. Chesterton when he asked, when somebody said, well, there's only one way to God, and he said, there is a way? There, there's a way? Right? I mean, because that's an appropriate response if you're working your way, trying to find your own definitions. But the Bible defines things. It teaches us, and it teaches us something that matters the most to us. How can we have a relationship with God? The sentence before, the sentence we're looking at says this, right? You have known the sacred writings. There it is, holy writ again. The sacred writings which uh, are able to give you wisdom. They give you wisdom. They teach you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. The Bible says you don't have to figure it out yourself. I'll tell you the answer. A specific revelation, the Bible teaches us we can have a relationship with God. It, it teaches us about anthropology. It teaches us about, about salvation. It teaches us about temptation. How do we endure temptation? Look at the definitions. Look what the Bible says. Look what Jesus did in the context of temptation. Three times he's in the desert, right? Forty days of fasting. He's encountering the devil himself. And what does he do? He does everything that Joshua was told to do. He didn't come up with anything on his own. Think about it. What he does is he quotes the Old Testament, not only the Old Testament, he quotes the book of Deuteronomy. He quotes the books of Moses. 
And so he just goes back and says, like, like Joshua was told, you have everything you need to handle temptation. What, he, what Jesus did was emulated what Joshua was told to do. He meditated on the word of God day and night so that he would obey those words so that he could have an appropriate answer to an accusation. Right? So when he was dealing with temptations of lust of the eyes or lust of the flesh or pride of life, he had a Bible passage that said something about the nature of God that would thwart each one of those because, because even the Pentateuch was adequate for Jesus. Those definitions of terms there. That's what he did. Do you want to, you want to be near to God? God is near. Do you want to hear his voice? Yeah, I bet you do. He's going to speak the Bible to you. The Bible's the primary way that he's going to speak to you. That's, what, that's his language. That's what he speaks. That, that's, so we're supposed to learn that and obey it. The Bible doesn't just uh, teach us. It reproves as well. The second word he uses in the power of the book is reproof. Uh, reproof uh, means we go wrong sometimes, and reproof tells us where we go wrong. So we have to make a correction. It says, look, it's because of your rebellion or your self-centeredness. It is maybe your vanity or your greed, whatever it might be. It, it tells us the answer that we're supposed to be coming up with. That's what reproof looks like. Picture it this way. Not like a dictionary, but more like a math book when you had, like, I don't know, in high school. Remember where you turned to the back and the answers were back there, but every, the odd answers, I guess, right, were in the back? That's so that you would know if you're in the right place. You keep coming up with this answer. Let's go to the back. What's, what, oh, that's where we're supposed to be. Here's what, it's supposed, here's what it's supposed to look like to have a biblical relationship with a friend. Here's what it's supposed to look like when we have a biblical marriage. Here's what biblical parenting looks like. Here's what uh, a biblical uh, vocation looks like. We just go to the back and say, okay, there it is. That's how it works. That's the answer we're supposed to come to. Reproof means if you keep getting the wrong answer, you might be doing the math wrong. Have, here's a good example. Have you ever found yourself, I've, this has happened so many times in my life, uh, probably yours too, where you're reading the cutting edge. It's never been heard of before. The cutting edge leadership book or the management book and now we've found a new way to, uh, I don't know, to motivate or manage employees. And you're reading through this, and they're bragging about how it's new, never seen. And you're thinking, I read this from Nehemiah. This is a Nehemiah. This is a 2,500-year-old truth. There's nothing new to this because it's in the back of the answer key. It's supposed to be this way, to treat people with dignity. Right? Or Proverbs sometimes. And we come up with these new ideas, and they're old ideas because... God gave us more than we need in day-to-day -day conversations or a conflict that we have with maybe some like a roommate or a loved one, and it ke we keep getting the wrong answer, right? It keeps end up escalating, and then we go to our corners, and then we kind of rest enough to get back into another fight, right? We keep getting the wrong. We go to the back. We say, what is a relationship supposed to look like? I can't tell you how many times this passage, Proverbs 51 has come up, 15.1, come up and say, look, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh, but harsh words stir up anger. Oh, 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 wait a minute. According to God's holy revelation, I have heard from God, and he has said that if we quit yelling at each other, let other people finish the convers their, their, their conversation first before interrupting. If we would just like, not yell and speak softly, we could have a pretty good relationship here. 
says they're right here in the back. And reproof does that. Reproof brings us back. You want, you want to succeed in life? You start with the answer key in the back and see where you need to be corrected. There's teaching. There's reproof. This is what, the, this is what God's speaking to us. The other one is correction. God speaks to us, and he corrects us. This is a little bit different from reproof because it's, he, reproof is kind of telling us uh, what, what it ought to look like. Rest, this correction is restoration bringing us back on course. Restoration is, it's not a dictionary, it's not a math book, it's a lighthouse. It is this beacon, right? It is, this, it, it, it's, it is where we steer our ships when we're in the storm of life, uh, when we're in the fog of grief, right? When we're lost at sea and we don't, know, we don't know where to go, this sends us, the Word of God says, here is safety. This is, where, this is where you were meant to live, in the parameters of my will. This is what obedience looks like. Okay. The idea of, of correction is, is when someone stumbles and you put them back on their feet. Why is this, why is this necessary for, for God to speak this into our lives? Here, because, we, because we're us, right? Because some of us define um, life, you know, or... or or we, we get lost at sea, okay, because circumstances of life determine the way we think the universe is being run or the nature of God. Or emotion. Some people are emotional thinkers or they're emotional at, in nature and that whatever their emotions are up or down, right, it's just like, right, a volatile sea, right? And they're not, they're not watching for anything that's stabilized. Sometimes it's our programming. Sometimes it's not circumstances or emotions. It's our programming. And when we believe, the point is that in the volatility of life, right, in the fog of life, we, we listen to lies and we think that's due north. And the word of God comes in and says, no, 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 no. Where do you build a lighthouse? Right? On a big, hairy, strong rock that's not moving. This, God's speaking to you, this is the way things are. Now, when I was a, a relatively new believer, uh, I think I was three for three on circumstances, emotion, and programming as a way to wreck your life and how to evaluate whether you're in the right place or not. And so I, I knew intuitively that I had to anchor myself and I had to hear from God. First chapter I ever memorized was Romans chapter 8 because, first of all, that is one great chapter. But I, it served me as a lighthouse because when all my life was going nuts and, and I was living with the guilt and all the stuff that I was living with, I could, I could look, right, at this beacon of hope and say, there's safe harbor, you know? Because Romans 8 says, you know, if God is for us, listen, listen to how this is just a, a, a place to focus your soul and how it thwarts all the lies in your life. If God is for us, who could be against us? Okay. He who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us, how will he not also with him give us all the things that we need? Who will bring a charge? Listen to this. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. He's the one in, in charge of judging, right? Yeah, right? Who condemns? Who condemns? Who's going to condemn a child of God, one of the elect, right? Because it's Christ who died, who rose again, who's sitting at the right hand, who intercedes for us. 
He's doing that. That's true. That's due north. That's your lighthouse. That's your safe port. That's all true. And that's why it ends with, in all of this, we are overwhelmingly conquerors for those who are in Christ Jesus whom he loved. You want to hear from God? He's going to sound a lot like Romans chapter 8. That's the language he speaks. And so you want to hear that. You lost at sea? Are you, are you, you know, right? Are you troubled at how to know your way back? Are you like your soul crashing up against the rocks of your free choices? Are you, are you wondering, you know, like your, your self-image is fragile and it's constantly up, down, insecure? Is you wondering, God, speak to me. God's saying, yeah, I'll speak to you. I'll tell you the truth. I'll hear my voice. It sounds like the Bible. It's already there. That's the power of this, right? He is our safe harbor. That's why we want to meditate on it day and night so that we can obey it. Then we'll be successful. Then we'll be prosperous. Because the power of God can teach us. It can correct us. It can reprove us. And And the last word that he uses here to help us understand is training in righteousness. Now, training in righteousness is a great word because it's not... Um, it's not giving us information. If you could picture more than, write a dictionary, uh, more than a math book, more than a lighthouse, a coach. The reason I love a coach is because when we think of training, sometimes we think of like a, a school teacher and you fill out a blue book. But a coach, that's not the way coaches get paid. Okay? Coaches get paid not so that you understand the game of basketball or lacrosse or whatever. They get paid for you to know how to play the game. And if they want to keep their job, they, they get paid for you winning at that game. Okay. No theory, reality. And when it talks about training in righteousness here, that's what we're talking about. He's talking about teaching, not lectures, but drills and skills. And we're going to keep doing it until we learn how to do it. That's what the Word of God can do. That's this miracle book that we hold in our hands. When I was, uh, when we were 25 years ago, we were talking about starting a family and Melinda, we had this fun conversation. She rolled over and went to sleep, and I just stared at the ceiling. And I'm just abject fear, right? It's like, I don't know how to be a dad. You know, I don't, I, don't have, I don't even have a clue. You know, speak to me, God. Speak to me. And it's like he was talking to Joshua all over again. He goes, I, every, everything you need to know, I've already told you. Meditate on that day and night and just obey that, and then you'll be prosperous. Here's how I applied that. I thought, you know what? God calls himself the father of Israel, and Israel is his, little, is his little child. And I thought, I'm just going to read the Bible a couple of times through. I'm going to spend two years reading the Bible two times through, looking at nothing except this book being a parenting training manual, okay? like a coacher's manual, like how to do it. And I just looked at the way God treated Israel, like, okay, how do you discipline? When do you discipline? Why do you discipline? Okay, wow, that, he's, a, he's a really great father. I should be a father like that. I looked at when does he protect Israel? When does he not protect Israel? Why does he protect Israel? Why, you know, how does he protect? Now, that's good parenting, you see. It's all there. I could, I could do the same thing, training in righteousness on how to be a husband or how to be a wife. You want to hear from God? He's speaking to you, you know, we, we, you know. He is talking to us. You want to listen to him? It's going to be in the Bible. It's the primary ways that he talks to us. I think he can talk to us with impressions, absolutely. But only, when the, only after the Bible is saturating, right, 
everything that we're thinking. God is near. Oh, he's near. His word is right in front of us, right? Let me just review. I want to show you how this progresses towards our success. We get to live a life that God has for us, and it's a, it's a life that's beyond our hopes and dreams. But look, look at the passage again because I want you to see how it ends. Okay, so here's all scripture, right? It's inspired, it's God-breathed, and it's useful for these four things, teaching and rebuking and correcting, training and righteousness, so that, right, the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thoroughly equipped, completely, right? At home, there's plenty of revelation for that. Okay, at work, here's how to do business, right? In relationships, it's there. Thoroughly equipped to do every good work in Jesus Christ. You, <laughs> he is setting us up to win. This is Joshua all over again. Then you will have success. Then you will be prosperous if you obey. Do you want <laughs> God is near? You want to feel his nearness, right? Yes, you do. You want to hear him speak to you? Here's how you, here's how you listen, right? Here's how you listen to him. You read the Bible like it's a dictionary, and it's defining what is right and real and true. He defines those things. He defines what marriage and family is. He defines what relationships are. He defines what man is. He defines those things. You want to hear his voice? You look at, you look at his word like it's a math book, and you get to go to the back and say, this is where we ought to be. And you're constantly referencing that book for that. You look at it like a lighthouse, and when your life gets torn upside down and is kind of crazy and you've lost your you know, inner bearings, you look at it like it's a lighthouse, lighthouse, because it is. And then finally, you look at it as a means of training you in righteousness. This is a coach, and you can hear him yelling at you. You know, you're going to do this until you get it right, because then you're going to get a life that I've always dreamt for you, and it's beyond your imagination. That's the power of the Bible that he has for us. He's speaking to us, friends. He is speaking to us. He speaks the Bible. And the more you get it inside of your head, the more he's going to recall those verses in times of need. Now, next week, do not miss next week. Because next week I want to show you, okay, it's going to be very hands-on, kind of like last week's te teaching on how to pray. I'm going to show here's how to get the Bible into your thinking. Here's how to make it your, your operating system for your whole soul. We'll look at that next week. This week, I want to give you three ways to get started, okay? How to get the Bible. Here's, one, here's how to get started. One, you got to buy a Bible. <laughs> buy a Bible. I would highly recommend the NIV Study Bible. It's the most popular uh, study Bible in the world. It has over 20 or 200,000, no, 20,000 notes to help you understand what a measurement or a cubit is. has wonderful pictures, pictures worth a 1,000 words. They have a lot of pictures. They have outlines for each one of the each book's little introduction to each book, uh, the 66 books in the Bible, wonderful book, okay? Get a good study Bible. The NIV study Bible would be a great place to start. Two, the second thing that you ought to consider doing is getting a reading plan. A great place to find a reading plan is at this website, Bible.com, with a hashtag thing, a slash app, because you can get on a smartphone an application where you can pick, I don't know how many reading plans they have, but there are just dozens of them. And they're for people that, I'm just going to read the New Testament in a year. And I'm going to just read Monday through Friday, for example. I'm going to, and then you can pick a translation if you want. But you need a reading plan. I'll tell you why in just a minute. But you have, and it, so this application can send you 
the verses and you can read them off your smartphone or you can get your brand new NIV study Bible. Open that bad boy up so you can write in the margins and highlight that sort of thing. So you got a Bible. Okay, you got a plan to read it. And then the last thing I'd say is very seriously consider getting Bible in some sort of audio format. I have probably six different versions. That first reference I sent you to, they actually have the Bible read to you as well. If you want to push something on the phone, it'll read to you. But here's, here's why. Um, one, I hate reading and can't read well, so it's about me. But second, and more importantly, uh, the Bible is an oral book. It is written for your ears, not for your eyes, most of it. Okay? But all the Old Testament and, and the Gospels are written for your ear, and you can hear things. You can, let me see. You can understand things in your brain through your ear that you can't through your eyes. So the Bible was written, the Old Testament was written for you to hear over and over and over again, and you can have epiphanies that you'll have only if you listen to it. So I would very seriously consider getting one of those. And there's a link there, christianaudio.com. That's where I buy mine. They go on sale regularly. Let me just conclude very quickly. You want to hear from God? Yeah, you do. You want to speak to him in our prayer time, right? Our 15 minutes together? Yes. But let me tell you this. If you want to hear from God, if you, if you were to interview people that you admire their walk with God and you wonder, you know, on a day like today with little shallow puddles out there, you just watch them to see if they can walk across maybe a shallow puddle because they just have a vibrant way of looking and knowing God. When they read their Bibles, they read it relationally. When you talk to people like that, that honestly have something special in their life, Right? And, and they, can, they can bring faith to almost any conversation, and they know when to get angry, and they know when to be happy, and they know when to be tranquil, right? That type of person, they will tell you this. Every single one of them will tell you this, that they read their Bible regularly with discipline, not topically. They're not bouncing around. They're reading through it, and it's work, but it's worth it. Because they want to hear God. They want to meditate on his word day and night. We'll see about that next week. But they, but they just go through it. It's not crisis to crisis, verse to verse, you know, for each crisis. They just go through and they read Matthew. If you want to get started with us, let's kind of apply. All right, we have three weeks left, 15 minutes, right? That's our starting point. We're going to be praying, honestly, A-C-T-S with an L. I want you to read, let's read to Bible together. If you don't have a place, you don't have, right, an application that's helping you, let's all start in Matthew chapter 1. Read as far as you want until you want to stop. Read it relationally. Read it like he's speaking to you, okay? And then let's see what happens. Let's see what happens as a church. This is the fun part, is we see the whole church doing this, right? God is near, right? Honest to God prayers. Now we're listening to him when his word of God. Let's see what happens in our church. That's our, that's our hope. Next week, don't miss next week. I'll show you how to get the Bible inside your soul so it becomes your hopes and dreams, okay? Until then, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are, uh, I just can't imagine what life would be like without your Bible. That you would... Uh, what life would be like, you would be cruel to leave us behind without some kind of revelation where we would have to find out uh, the important things of life the hard way. So with all that understanding about the power of your God-breathed word, now it's an issue of the will, and so now we're asking you to help us be disciplined in our Bible reading. So 
that we might hear your voice in this miracle book as you teach us and reprove us and correct us and train us, coach us in righteousness. Dear God, we want to hear your voice, and it's right in front of us. So, Lord, help us thwart the spiritual battle that takes place that keeps us from picking up that book and reading it with an open heart. Lord, change this church. Change this church because of our prayer life and because of our listening life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about Grace, visit our website at grace360.org.